Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you today for a special episode, an interview. We never really advertise interviews very well, do we? Well, we're a pretty bad show at that, but we've got a great one today to make up for that fact, because I recorded an interview for one of our other pods, our parent pod, I like to say, The Brink, with Cat Jamie. Now, Cat is a writer and director from Canada who has just released a film in the last couple of months called The Grizzly Truth. And this film aims to get to the bottom of why the former NBA team, the Vancouver Grizzlies, are no longer an NBA team. Basically, if you don't know what happened to the Vancouver Grizzlies, in 2001, they were sold and sent to Memphis in Tennessee, where they still play today in the NBA as the Memphis Grizzlies. But they started off as the Vancouver Grizzlies coming into the NBA in the mid-90s alongside the Toronto Raptors. And Cat has done a great job in this film really exploring the truth. That's why it's called the Grizzly Truth, about why the Grizzlies ended up leaving Vancouver across to Memphis. So I spoke to Kat about making this film, how she's able to get a bunch of big name former Vancouver Grizzly players into this film and a weird connection to Tasmania. I'm not going to spoil it too much, but you can find out by listening to this chat. So sit back, relax and listen to our chat with Canadian writer and director Kat Jamie. Just under 30 years ago, two teams were added to the NBA in Canada, the Toronto Raptors and the Vancouver Grizzlies. And nearly 20 years after one of those teams sadly left the city it was originally based in, the Vancouver Grizzlies, of course, now based in Memphis, a new documentary has been released trying to get to the bottom of just why that happened, why the Vancouver Grizzlies are no longer in the great city of Vancouver. And the filmmaker behind that documentary is joining me now. The film is called The Grizzly Truth, and it has been doing great guns out there since its release late 2022. And it's a pleasure to be welcomed on the show today by the writer, the director, the creator, and massive Vancouver Grizzly superfan, Cat Jamie. Cat, first of all, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you. What a great intro. I, I always like to try and here. strive <laughs> for the intros. Like, I think that's kind of like the peak here of the interview. And then that hopefully it just keeps going up from there. So yeah. uh, you're, you're most welcome. But this, is, this has been a subject that's always fascinated me. Teams that, I guess, exist in one city and then go somewhere else. Because in Australia, this isn't 
too commonplace that a team will move. Generally, a team will fold in Australia or often merge with another team. There's a few examples in Australia where teams have legitimately moved, but it's very rare. So this has always fascinated me how in North American sports, this is such a big deal. And particularly, as you can see, I'm sitting here in a Toronto Raptors jersey, so I'm very fond of the Canadian teams in North American sports, and I've always been fascinated by Vancouver. You, obviously, massive fan of the Grizzlies, as it's discussed in this film. So this is a film, I believe, that you have been wanting to make for quite some time as well, isn't it? Yeah, I've been... Uh, this was sort of the story that I wanted to tell um, in sometime in my career, even when I was making Find a Big Country. So that was sort of like the first Grizzlies film, you know, that I that I made in 2018. That was... I, I actually wanted that to be like a full feature film. Like, that was actually supposed to be like... Bryant's story plus the Vancouver Grizzlies story and then because of budget constraints because of time constraints um, and because I was just starting out so I you know I didn't have I didn't know where any of these players were I had no no means to reach any of them so we just really focused on Bryant's story um, in Finding Me Country and then that film kind of opened a lot of doors for me and helped me get this you know the bigger project that I'd always wanted to make uh, made. Because it's a fascinating subject matter when it comes to this, that you would think that it would be a simple case of, hey, let's ring up Memphis and maybe they've got some history there that we can kind of go to. But it doesn't really work that way, does it? Generally, when a team moves to a whole city, it's almost like they are a new franchise in a weird way, isn't it? Exactly. Um, but you know what? It was in the, in the film, I actually do go to Memphis um, and I meet other super like Memphis Grizzly super fans and I talk to a lot of... Um, you know, those who work for the Memphis Grizzlies, there's a, there are a few employees that worked for the Vancouver Grizzlies who moved to Memphis and have been there all this time. And it was really interesting because they there's remnants of Vancouver in Memphis still. So, for example, um, when we were in one of the uh, the offices of the, the kind, of, kind of like the, the headquarters of all the um, employees, uh, there are all these like yellow towels, like Memphis towels. Uh, that had, you know, that were given out at games. And I didn't think anything of it. And then later on, I learned, like, that's that's from the Vancouver Canucks. Wow. Like, we, that, that's, a, that's a tradition here in Vancouver with the Canucks. We wave our white towels. So, and then that is what, you know, for playoffs, everyone in Memphis gets these, gets towels. And, and they wave it just like they did here in Vancouver. Um, so that's like kind of a cool, you know, I, I, I didn't put two and two together, but there's, you know, there's that. They still hold the record. I mean, the name, that's another thing. You know, when teams sometimes move, they change, they, they get a completely different name. And I know that, you know, at first, um, I was part of uh, the group of fans who are bitter that they still have our name. <laughs> but that is like, you know, that's still, that's, you know, it's still part of Vancouver's history. Our name is still there. And and finally, um, I could go on, but the other th the one thing I can mention right now is like all the, the stats, mm. like Sharif Abdurrahim still hold, like there are Vancouver Grizzly players that still hold, hold, um, um, you know, uh, what's it called? Yeah. Stats, uh, in, in, within the entire organization. So they don't just look at the Memphis Grizzlies. They look at the Grizzlies as a whole, including their time in Vancouver. Cause that's a, that's a whole other documentary film you could do in yourself, sort of that process of when a team moves in the stat history. Cause I know there was the, the last expansion team that they ever did in the NBA, the Charlotte Bobcats 
when then yeah. they renamed them the Hornets and then the Hornets had to get the history back from New Orleans. Kind of, It's that weird connection, isn't it, about how who owns records when a franchise moves and then maybe gets their name back. That one was so confusing. I still don't even like sometimes I I remember what exactly happened and then I yeah. usually forget and then I have to ask a friend to like draw me the diagram <laughs> of like how this how this came to be. We have that the Winnipeg Jets in the NHL, of course. I mean they've got name of old, but they don't have the records because they were the Atlanta Thrashers and then it's kind of this whole, you know, it's a it's a mystery in itself. But you explain in the film how much the team meant to Vancouver. Maybe for some people who aren't from Vancouver, haven't seen the film. Just to give us a bit of a rundown of just how big the team were in their very few seasons they existed in the NBA to the city of Vancouver. Yeah, they, you know, they're only here for six years, but I think they made such a huge impact on so many, um, so many Vancouverites, especially young kids like myself. You know, in the film, I kind of gather what we, you know, a bunch of Grizzly super fans and what we call like the group therapy scene. <laughs> and it's just like a bunch of heartbroken Grizzly fans are probably all in our thirties now or older. And everyone is still like super gutted that the team isn't here yet. Um, but we, you know, we're all kind of around the same age and we all were the same age when the Grizzlies were in town. So, you know, we were just, I was six when they came and, um, I think the Grizzlies um, and the NBA, you know, does such a great job with making the game so fun. Yeah. Like we've been to, you know, you know, the NHL and it's just, there's nothing, there's nothing like a, a, an NBA game. And yeah. of course it's, you know, it has to do with the fact that the, you know, these players don't have to wear like big bulky equipment. You can see their fa- facial expressions, you know, the, during halftime, like the mascot can do, you know, backflips and jump on trampolines. Like you can't do that on ice, right? Like there, it's not the same. You can't do the same things that you can on a basketball court. That you can do on a on a yeah on an ice rink. So, yeah, I, I don't know. We there's there's many of us who just remember the Grizzlies as just being so much fun, um, and which this is why I love the story of the Grizzlies because we were so bad, but we didn't care. Like, and I just think that just goes to show. It's like it's like um, sport, uh, like the pureness of sport and like what's, you know, the beauty of sport. Um, and I feel like that's what the Grizzlies really uh, showed everyone, um, because despite them being so terrible, they were so loved. And I think what really was interesting about that, too, and, and a lot of people maybe again in this part of the world might not sort of be aware of that is the fact that this was a big deal for the NBA to expand not one but two teams into a whole new country as well because at that period there were no Canadian teams. The Toronto Huskies had existed way back in the day but, of course, it had been a long time. So to not only just do the cliche of, go, hey, Toronto will have a team, but to give it to a city like Vancouver as well because you would assume that if they're going to do that it might be Montreal sort of based on population and that. So, I mean, the, the fact that it went to Canada, the fact it went to Vancouver, I mean, it was a risk but it obviously – it paid off in terms of the fact that the locals really embraced the team. Mm-hmm. No, it was a huge thing that we got a team. And that's why, you know, I was in grade seven when they left and I wasn't, I wasn't as sad, I think, as because I thought we would get another team back. Mm. It was like, you know, I didn't. It'll happen was, again. <laughs> yeah, it'll happen again. And I was too young to like understand that, no, like when an NBA team leaves, like it's very difficult for, for them to come back. And so I didn't really understand what was going on, I would say. Um, and yeah, and then, you know, as you get older, you're like, damn, like, 
we're, we're not getting a team back. Like what? <laughs> I have to go. And then, you know, then when the team left, my family and I would, we would go to Seattle mm. to watch, you know, I watched a handful of games in Seattle and then they left and then now we got to go to Portland. So uh yeah we there has to be another team on the west coast well i was gonna ask that like it sort of seems like there's a bit of a pacific northwest curse almost going because yeah Yeah. he's obviously the sonics and we know how passionate seattle are about wanting their team back so i mean is it kind of like a cursed area because we've obviously got portland but i mean seattle and vancouver are are bigger cities they surely deserve to get their teams back in a hundred percent and of course I, i mean i always say that seattle deserves a team um faster than we do uh so I, I do hope they get a team back but yeah you know i've sean camp was in in the film and i spent some time with him and he shares like how much like the like there was a seattle vancouver rivalry going mm. and it was a rivalry and and so you know to have um teams in both cities in like so close to each other was was really great um and yeah, we had, man, like we had the Grizzlies and the Sonics. Like that's, that's so nuts to me. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I found it fascinating when I was living in Victoria, I mentioned to you off air, I was doing some media work there just around when the Kraken were coming in. And I was working on a story about the Kraken trying to steal Canucks fans on Vancouver Island because sort of Vancouver Island was in that sort of middle period. And a lot of people on Vancouver Island didn't really like the Canucks. So it was sort of like a case of, can you steal those fans? So it's a unique Region, because I, I would assume most people would go, oh, the Grizzlies, your biggest rival is the Raptors, because you're both obviously Canada's team, and obviously there was a rivalry there. But, yeah, the the, the, the Sonics are just basically kind of just down the road almost, whereas Toronto's on the yeah. other side of the country. Exactly. No, I think there is as much as, you know, there's obviously, yeah, the Toronto-Vancouver rivalry, but 100% there is a, a, a Seattle-Vancouver rivalry, and, you know, what could have, like, that would have been so cool to have both teams today, and... We could, you know, um, we could we could go to Seattle and watch the game. Seattle, like, you know, people from Seattle could come to Vancouver. Like, that would have been so much fun. You, you mentioned about tracking down the people you get in this film, and you get a whole list of just A-listers throughout this from Vancouver history. I don't want to spoil it for people so they can uh, sort of really get a taste of it when they see the film. But, I mean, how do you do that? Is it you look in the phone book, you dig? I mean, I've done a lot mm-hmm. of digging in my broadcasting career to find people, and I know how hard it can be when you're really on, you know, that, that list mm-hmm. of wanting to find it. But how do you do it is it just looking up connections and kind of just you're like a dog with a bone you never give up yeah i mean i think it's all everything you just all of the above um it's definitely looking people up on social media like emailing instagram dms you know linkedin messages like i i have excel like excel sheet with all the <laughs> 60 players that worked uh, that worked that played in vancouver um and i would have like you know sent a dm no response message, like message back via Instagram, like just, uh, you know, and there was, I also, you know, got in touch with a few people based on connections with other people, but it was great because, because I had made finding big country when I, when I would kind of cold email all these people, all these players, I would say, you know, my name is Kat. I made a film a few years ago called finding big country. Here's a link to it. Um, and so, you know, they could watch it and, kind of get a sense of who I was because the because I obviously feature a lot in Finding Me Country um, and they could kind of see what the team meant to me. So I, so it was a great kind of calling, like Finding Me Country, I think, again, really hope, op- helped open doors. And then it, I think it was great too because they could kind of see how I treated the story, um, you know, Brian's story. And I feel like that's uh, that's kind of what helped me get a lot of people to say yes to come on board. 
Well, there's one player in this again. I don't want to spoil it for people to watch the film. Uh-huh. You do track down, and that's kind of a connection because they knew you from that yes. film. Which yes. that is a it's a fun moment in the movie and a great story behind that. But I mean, I guess that kind of was was that the highlight of all the people you tracked down finding said person who we don't want to spoil on this uh, interview today. <laughs> it was yeah, like I mean. That could have, I, I was so stressed out about whether or not I would get that player because I don't think you could really tell this story without him. Mm. It would always be like, oh, but she didn't get this. She didn't talk to this player. And so I knew that from the very beginning. I had no idea how I was going to get in touch with him. Like, you know, sure, I was, you know, I've been able to get in touch with all these, you know, retired NBA players. But at the same time, you kind of have to remember that I'm literally just a childhood fan who became a filmmaker. I had no connections to anyone in the NBA. I was always more than an arm's length away, like, oh, you know, from from any of these players, people who worked for, for the Grizzlies. And so um, to, to f- try to figure out how I was going to get in touch with this particular player was it kept me awake, you know, many, many nights um, during the process of this. And it was it was so great to, you know, that he said yes, that I got to know him as a person. And he's been so he's been really great, um, you know, with with the release of the p- film, promoting the film. And, yeah, he's become a really great friend, which wow. is so funny. That's awesome. Fantastic. And what's you obviously have a you mentioned sort of the support group, all the really diehard Grizzly fans. What sort of had been their reaction of hearing his story, hearing sort of real truth from someone like Stu Jackson. Like, I mean, have they kind of had their minds changed a little bit kind of based on seeing this film? You know what? I haven't, I haven't talked to too many of those. Um, I'm trying to think I haven't, maybe I haven't, I don't think I've spoken to too many of those uh, super fans, but I will say that I've gotten so many messages, even after screenings, people coming up to me and being like, damn cat, like, now I can't hate Stu Jackson. Like, <laughs> oh, now I like Steve Francis. Oh, now I don't like, you know, so, um, so I do think that the, you know, that the perspective of certain people have, has changed, which was always kind of the goal with this film um, and which, what I wanted to do. Which I like that. And, and again, the whole Memphis area was fantastic because again, that's an, that's another one I know when you sort of talk to sort of NBA fans and, you mention Vancouver and they automatically go like, oh, yeah, well, you just go for Memphis. And again, it's not that simple. I mean, you don't really have a bunch of Sonics fans who goes for the Thunder anymore either. Like, it's kind of like there is that stigma around it. But I, I love that section where you're going around FedEx Forum and you're asking, where are the team from? And they're saying Vancouver. So they know that history. Yeah. So there does seem to be that element of Memphis fans who do acknowledge that history <laughs> that you were talking about before. Mm-hmm. No, I know. It's funny. And one of my f- best friends pointed out that when I do that here in Vancouver and I go in the street tonight, yell at people about the Grizzlies, everyone just like looks at me very weirdly. But in Memphis, everyone was like, yeah, Vancouver, like everyone knew, like, you know, they. so it is it, that was actually quite interesting and funny because I was getting more love um, in Memphis and I, <laughs> I do here in the streets in Vancouver sometimes. Fantastic. I, I know when I lived in Victoria, too, to see that level of, I guess, throwbacks that are now coming into play again and so many Vancouver jerseys were for sale in sporting stores and you would see that and even here in Australia I can't go to a basketball game without seeing at least a a throwback jersey or two so it's sort of it's still that level of 
existence wear there, which, I mean, you clearly on, on the promotion trail have been wearing the jerseys and everything like that, but does that make you feel like a big smile inside that young girl who went to these games? Are you still seeing people wearing the Vancouver jerseys? And this is almost a thing now for people to bring back those throwbacks. 100%. You know, I've gotten in trouble with some collectors who are like, because of the release of your films, like, Grizzly stuff is now so expensive. <laughs> so like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in charge of what people price these items. Um, but no, it's been really cool to see. Yeah, like kind of like a resurgence of you know Grizzlies fandom, Grizzlies love. Um, and no, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm here for it all. The one thing that I'll say to give you a bit of a, a hope out there in terms of expansion going back to Vancouver, because I'm from state in Australia called Tasmania and, and in the 90s sort of around when this was happening uh, both the Canadian teams there was a huge expansion in Australia and our national basketball competition we had a team the Tassie Devils and similar to you I have these great memories of going to sold out arenas you know my dad my sister and I it was just such an amazing experience we got our team taken away from us and unfortunately though we didn't get moved it was just disbanded we ran out of money bye-bye Tassie and then you sort of have that as you were saying, you don't know who to support, you know, what do I do? You're young. In the last couple of years, we got given a franchise back. And unfortunately, not the Devils anymore. We're called a different team, Jack Jumpers. It's an ant. It's a whole other story, Cat. But yeah. in our two seasons of existence, it has been absolutely amazing in terms of success on and off the court. Sold out arenas. The entire state has adopted it. In our first season, we made the finals. The second season, we made the playoffs, narrowly missed out on making the finals. So it's huge. So putting that out there into the universe that Vancouver and Tasmania have very similar stories in a way in terms of losing a team. We got ours back though. So hopefully those vibes can go out there for Vancouver to get their team back as well. I love it. There's hope. You're giving me hope. Yeah, that's what we like because it is that kind of level. Everyone's always talking about expansion when it comes to sport. We've seen the NHL do it recently. Of course, the MLS are doing it and sort of the NBA and the MLB are kind of those two where they're stuck on sort of 30 and they're always seem happy with the 30 and there's always talking about Seattle, Vegas. But I mean, has this film, do you think at least maybe does the NBA look at this and think to themselves, hmm, okay, maybe we can go to 33, 34, <laughs> you know, potentially. Have you had any word back from them at all? I mean, I, not from the NBA league themselves. Um, <laughs> I, I have had a few conversations uh, with, you know, with people who um, kind of know the business and are wanting to bring a team back. You know, I always say like, if, if this film in any, if any of my films in, in any way, like if a kid watches it, is in elementary school and it's like, oh, I, you know, love basketball. They, and for some, you know, that, that, that becomes their dream. And in years, and I don't even, you know, maybe I don't see it in my lifetime, F- fingers crossed. Like I would love that for it to happen, but like, you know, it does, as long as I could get the team eventually, I'd be so happy. And, it, and if my films could play like a small role in getting that done, that would be so cool. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it doesn't, I, I know it's not going to, it's not going to happen overnight. So, you know, uh, again, just sometime in the future, I just, I would love for the city of Vancouver to get another NBA team. It's a fantastic city and definitely deserves to have a team back in the NBA. TheGrizzlyTruth.com, if people want to see more information about it. If you're in Canada, where can they watch it? Uh, Cat, obviously, Crave, yeah. iTunes, places like that, people can see the film. Yeah, it's on Crave. It's also on, uh, you can, you know, um, purchase or rent it on Apple, Apple TV, 
uh, Google Play, Shaw, Rogers, Telus, uh, Cineplex movies. Um, we're kind of everywhere right now in that's, Canada. That's uh, that's amazing. Get out and see it. It's a fantastic film, Cat. We really appreciate your time on the show today, and good luck with the rest of it. And uh, let's go Grizzlies. Let's go Grizzlies. Thanks for having me, Ben. And a massive thanks to Cat for her time here on the show. Great to learn so much about the process of making that film, tracking down some of those players and the connection. I always like to bring up Tasmania, don't I? And to be able to bring that back to a similar story for my own childhood compared to Cat's childhood as well. So uh, great to learn about that, thegrizzlytruth.com, as we said in that chat to find out more information. No release date yet in Australia, it seems, but you can, of course, check that out if you are in Canada. Great film. I thoroughly, thoroughly recommend it if you're a basketball fan or not. So make sure you do check that out. In the meantime, you're going to check out some other great episodes. We've got more 24 coming your way. That is happening, of course, every single Monday. Collins, I think, got some reviews coming, which is always exciting. And we are just about to start Australia v Canada Month in a little over two weeks' time. So um, get excited for that. I think we're starting off with Tomorrow When the War Began, which is a good film. If you've never seen it, check it out. It's great. Watch along with us. Thanks again to Kat for her time. My name is Ben. This has been the Oz Network. And I don't know why I sounded like that, but I'm going to wrap it up by saying goodbye. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah! If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon! That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.